In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus gives a call to discipleship in the ninth chapter. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, how do we become disciples? How do we stay on that path? I think when we look at the experience of a woman in the Gospel of Mark, she teaches us much about discipleship. Now I want you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Gospel of Mark chapter 7. An interesting chapter, we find a number of contrasts here. We find uh, three different groups of people, really. Find the Pharisees, the religious leaders who are really critical of Jesus and his disciples. And we see that right at the start of the chapter, where Mark tells us, Then came together unto him the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples, that's disciples of Jesus, eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. Uh, they were really big into hand washing. Uh, now, now I know moms are, you gotta check those little kids and make sure they wash their hands. Those guys won't. But uh, these guys carried it to another level. I mean, sometimes we just have to eat without washing our hands. It's just the way it is sometimes. But uh, that was a religious no-no to the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus will point out their hypocrisy in verse 6. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites. As, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, outwardly they did all these things. Inwardly they had a bad heart. And Jesus points that out. So we see the Pharisees. We also see the disciples. They excel in dull understanding. Uh, Jesus is going to take this and teach them something, and then they don't understand it. And we see that in verses 17 and 18. Uh, when he was entered into the house from the people, he dis his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defileth him? He points out the real source of defilements in here, heart. So we see the Pharisees, we see the disciples. And then this chapter ends with two miracles in Gentile territory. Two miracles that are done to really people that are Gentiles, non-Jews. And they experience the touch of Jesus. Uh, we're going to look at one of them. That's the unnamed uh, Gentile woman that we can learn much from uh, her experience. So stand with me as we read our passage, uh, that miracle beginning in verse 24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon. And entered into a house, and would have no man know it, 
but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she has come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Let's pray. Father, we see one here who is rich in faith. Help us to be rich in faith also. That we would learn from your word here to strengthen who we are as we trust in you. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Now I've preached on this passage before. Uh, looking strictly more at the faith element. Uh, but wa I want to look at it again and see some other things here that we can look at uh, in Mark's Gospel. Uh, William Barclay calls this account uh, one of the most moving and extraordinary in the life of Jesus. And I love verse 25 where, where Mark tells us, he says, for a certain woman. Uh, and I, I love that phrasing in the King James. You will find that often uh, in the King James. It will often say, a certain woman, a certain man. And that's telling us that that is a real person, not someone who is made up. But they physically existed. They were real. And, and go through and, and, and look at the uh, many parables that are phrased that way. There was a certain man. So many of those parables Jesus told, they were real-life experiences that actually happened. Realize that. So we find a certain woman. And what do we learn from her? Uh, we learn from her experience that I must be listening for the presence of Jesus. Now, verse 24, we see the desire of Jesus. Uh, goes to Tyre and Sidon, enters into a house, and would have no man know it. Want some quiet time. Time to be alone. But Mark tells us he could not be hid. A simple fact. I, I mean, there's a whole sermon right there. He could not be hid. Isn't that true? If we're following Jesus, if we're trusting in Him, living a life of faith, there's no way we can hide Him in our life. Others are going to see it. They're going to know it. And we see that this woman, she's a Greek. Verse 26 tells us that. Uh, this woman, a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, goes to Jesus. But in verse 25, it says she heard of him. She heard of Jesus. She was listening. 
and heard about him. And that tells us we need to be listening for the presence of our Lord. She did. She heard about him. Her condition, her need, gave her some extra perception. She was listening. She had a daughter that was uh, severely afflicted, demon-possessed, and she could do nothing. And that affliction drove her to look and listen and be aware, and she heard about Jesus. Trials and struggles and difficulties are often the doorway to God's presence. Do you hear me? Trials, difficulties, struggle are the doors to God's presence. In fact, I probably would not pray today, Lord, give me an easy life. Give me a trouble-free life. I'm not going to pray that. Because I'd miss a lot if I did. And he answered that. What did Paul desire when he wrote to Philippians? He said, I want to know the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Both of them. Chuck Lawless, uh, he's uh, dean of students at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, North Carolina. And on Thanksgiving Day, he posted, uh, he always posts some wonderful insights, but he posted 10 surprising prayers of thanks. I'm going to just read you a few of them. He said, thank you, Lord, for loss. Uh, the Old Testament character Job lost almost everything, but he realized through it that God was still worthy of worship. Thank you, Lord, for my thorns in the flesh. Uh, whatever the thorn was for the Apostle Paul, he learned to rejoice with it. And when our thorns no longer discourage us, the enemy cannot have power over us. Thank you, Lord, for taking your time. Uh, we're impatient, but God is always on time. And his timing is best. Thank you, God, for giving the answer of no to prayer. Uh, when we wrestle with God, when he answers no, we learn later that God knew exactly what he was doing with that response. We can trust his answers the best. And thank you, God, for valleys. God sometimes makes himself most known to us when we find ourselves trying to crawl through the deepest valleys. We cannot descend so deeply into trial that God isn't there.
So trials, listen for the presence of the master. She had no solution. She needed help, and, and somehow she heard about Jesus. Uh, someone was talking. I think it's possible, it may go back to chapter 5 of Mark. Just turn your back a few chapters. <coughs> In chapter 5 of Mark, uh, it begins, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes. And there they're going to come across a man who is demon-possessed. And he, man, he's possessed by a legion of demons. It was a serious case. This is, <coughs> uh, this is also Gentile territory. And Jesus heals this man. Uh, in verse 18, at the end of that account, uh, Jesus gets back in the ship. He's going to cross the Sea of Galilee. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He wanted to go with Jesus. Who what? Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. Tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and, <coughs> and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. That's a region east of the Jordan River, usually an area of 10 cities. It was mainly Gentile territory. And he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Uh, so this guy was talking what Jesus did, how he was freed from demon possession. And maybe this woman heard from this man or someone that heard this man, that he was demon-possessed, and she said, I have a daughter. Maybe Jesus can do something. And she heard about it. The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing. And she heard about Jesus. And the question is, do we listen for the Master's voice? Our time is a time of loudness and a time of spiritual deafness. I mean, we live in a world that can easily squash out the things of the Lord with its volume. Be listening for His presence. Our disciple in Mark, she also tells us, I must be at the feet of Jesus. We go back to Mark 7. She hears of him, verse 25, came and fell at his feet. I like that. She heard. And then she puts feet to her faith and she goes and falls at the feet of Jesus. 
You know, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, I want you to look at it. Just save your spot, but just turn back to Matthew 13. You know, a lot of people hear about Jesus. A lot of people hear God's word and they get kind of excited. But it doesn't amount to anything. And in the parable of the sower, Jesus explains that. You know, the seed of God's word is, is sown among different kinds of soil. And in verse 18 of Matthew 13, he says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. The seed's just laying on the ground, hasn't taken root, birds come and take it. The evil one takes God's word in the same way. Then in verse 20, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. And that word just shrivels up. I mean, they were joyful at first, but it had no depth. And it snuffed out. Well, as we look at our woman, she heard, she came, and, and that faith began to take root and have depth to it. And in Mark 7, she came and fell at his feet. No preparation. I like that. Sometimes I'll talk with people and they say, you know, I'll, I'll consider coming to church when I get everything lined up and right and, and uh, this taken care of and, and I'm not doing that. You know what's going to happen? We will never come to church. Right. If we wait to get everything right, we will never come to Jesus. We just need to go. Let him deal with it. And that's what she did. She, did. she didn't make preparation. She just went. She heard. She, she said, I'm going. And she went. Like the old hymn says, just as I am. And fell at his feet. That is the safest place to be, the feet of Jesus. That is the humblest place to be, at his feet. It is the most powerful place to be, at his feet. And we have to make that choice. Remember Mary and Martha, the two sisters? Jesus loved to be in their home. And I love that story in Luke where Jesus comes and shows up with his disciples and Martha is busy about getting things ready, fussing about the meal. And she tells Jesus, Jesus, make my sister help. And, and Luke tells us that Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him. Jesus said, Mary's chosen the better part. 
And we have to choose that, to be at his feet. Listening to him. Many have been found at the feet of Jesus. What a place to be. In Matthew, we see the multitudes that are brought, uh, come to Jesus. They bring the lame, the blind, the crippled. <coughs> and they cast them all down at the feet of Jesus. The best place for them to be. And Jesus healed them. Jairus, ruler of the synagogue in Mark 5, had a daughter sick unto death. Goes to Jesus, falls at his feet. And Jesus will restore that daughter. The sinful woman who washed the feet of Jesus with her hair and anointed his feet out of love and gratitude. The healed demoniac who is found afterwards sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Simon Peter, after a great catch of fish that broke the nets and sunk the ships, falls at the knees of Jesus and says, Go away from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, You'll catch men. And the Apostle John, the island of Patmos, saw Jesus in all his glory and fell at his feet. And Jesus unfolded a revelation to him. We can never have too much of falling at the feet of Jesus. We need more. A position of humility. So necessary. And then we also see must be listening, need to be at his feet. And then we need to be asking of Jesus. Verse 26 She besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. New King, King James words that she kept asking. Uh, besought, what a beautiful word. Uh, that move, uh, it can move mountains. In other words, uh, the tense tells us she would not give up. She kept on asking. She was persistent. How quickly do we give up in prayer? How quickly do we often say, you know, I'm going to read God's word, and then we just lay it aside. We don't. I mean, she was like a little child pestering a parent. You know, little children are good at that. They don't give up. They just kind of wear you down. Okay, you can have it. Well, we need to be like that in prayer. Stay with it. We kind of be, need to be like blind Bartimaeus. I like him in chapter 10 of Mark. 
chapter 10, uh, towards the end, verse 46. Jesus is leaving Jericho. He's heading to Jerusalem. Where in Jerusalem, he's going to be crucified. He won't be going back to Jericho ever again. And there, as he goes out of Jericho, there's blind Bartimaeus sat by the highway side begging. And Mark tells us when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. People told him to shut up. Actually, charged him to hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Because he knew if, if, if not Jesus, who? And if not now, when? It was his one shot. And he wasn't going to shut up. And Jesus stood still. Commanded him to be called. They called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Don't quit. And so easy to do. To give up. And then as we look at this woman, uh, the last thing we see is that we need to take the walk of faith in Jesus. Uh, everything we do has to be rooted in faith in Christ. You know, Proverbs tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. This woman does that. With faith, she begins her journey. She heard of him and came, put feet to her faith. In faith, she asks persistently. She, she besought him. And then she has a faith that, that passes the test. In verse 27, uh, Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled. Remember, she's a Gentile. Let the children first be filled, for it is not me to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. Now, it seems so harsh. And yet, look at her response in verse 28. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And she's saying, I just want a crumb. I'll be happy with that. She passes the test. We just read it. Uh, the word for dogs, of course, is uh, what we call it diminutive. It means little dogs, pet dogs. And that's the word Jesus uses. And, and maybe the look on his face and the tone of his voice said so much more. And she read that. 
Humility allowed her to pass the test. What does the Bible say? God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And in humility, she says, yes, Lord. Total trust. In fact, I think it's the only instance in the Gospels of a Gentile calling Jesus Lord. Then she has a faith that journeys home in victory. He said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she's come to her house, she found the devil gone out. Her daughter laid upon the bed. Her faith trusted the power of Jesus. She took Jesus at his word. What were her thoughts on the way home as she walked on that journey? Were there doubts? Maybe, but I think she overcame them, laid them aside. And as she got close to home, that spirit of hope and joy was there. The walk of faith. What was it like for Abraham as he walked with his only son Isaac and headed towards a place of sacrifice as God instructed him? What was it like for Moses after the burning bush as he walked back to Egypt 40 years later to take uh, leadership of God's people in Egypt? What was it like for Joshua as he marched all night in battle array heading towards uh, Gilgal? Rescue the Gibeonites. What was it like for Daniel as an old man walking to the lion's den? What was it like for Jesus walking the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering? Only two miracles at a distance in the Gospels, both to Gentiles, the centurion who had a servant, this woman here in Mark. The word of Jesus was enough. It's enough for us. I'm going to call our team back up.
I surrender all. Are we listening for the Master's presence, His voice? Are we placing ourselves at His feet? Are we seeking Him out and asking in prayer? Are we walking that journey in faith, trusting His Word? Maybe you need one of those in your life today. You can come to the throne of grace. Let's stand as we sing, I surrender all.